Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. That's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Jamie Frankie, preacher at First Christian Church in Vandalia, Missouri. Jamie, if I remember correctly, we met in Clarence, Missouri in 2008 when you invited me to hold a revival at First Christian Church where you were the preacher. I'm now involved in my fourth revival with you at First Christian Church in Vandalia, Missouri. Time flies, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Uh, though Beth and I have come to know you and your sweet family through these years, there is very little I know about your background, how you came to Christ, how God led you into ministry, and so forth. So I'm ready to hear what you will share with us today. So, Brother Jamie, tell us your story. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast, Tom, and thank you for what you do, and, and uh, thank you for what Rock Solid Ministries uh, does. We certainly very much appreciate it. Um. I grew up in a restoration movement church in a country church in northeast Missouri in the small town of Novelty, Novelty, Missouri, and I actually grew up outside of Novelty, Missouri on a farm. And so it was a family farming operation. Uh, my dad and granddad farmed together, and so that was the life that, that I grew up in, a good life. Um, my, uh, my grandparents... Uh, were like second a second mother and dad to me, and so uh, very much appreciative of them. Uh, not only not only just uh, grow, growing up on a farm, but for uh, their faith. Uh, they were were uh, when my grandparents are both passed away now, but uh, they were when they were living. And my my mother and father uh, continue to be very involved in their church. Uh, my dad's an elder there at Novelty, and so I was very blessed to grow up in a in a church with, uh, with believing, from a believing family. And I was, I became a Christian when I was, uh, would have been my early, early teens or maybe right before my teens. Uh, and of course grew up just hearing the gospel presented and, uh, just became sort of from, from birth, uh, really knew the scriptures, went to Sunday school, that sort of thing. And uh, when I was at church camp uh, one year, uh, is the year that I look back to as uh, when I uh, walked forward and, and was baptized into Christ, and um, I've never looked back. And so am so thankful for uh, the church I grew up in, thankful for uh, the family that I had that just uh, instilled a spiritual uh, spiritual influence on me. Thankful for church camp. Uh, we shouldn't overlook the value of church camps uh, for uh, the uh, the development of of our of our kids. Uh, interesting, I guess. How how did I get in the ministry, uh, full time ministry? Uh, whenever I graduated high school, which would have been in 1993, I went to a year of uh, junior college in. Trenton, Missouri, and went in the area of agriculture, uh, in sort of intending on coming back farming as sort of the way of life that I knew, and uh, sure. and uh, actually went to a year of, of junior college, got along fine, uh, but then in the summer between what would have been my freshman and then the next year, my sophomore year, I was back home helping, and, and I can still remember where I was out in the yard at uh, where, where I grew up, and it was my granddad that suggested that I go to Bible college. And that was at Central Christian College of the Bible. And I really don't know for sure why he suggested that. I don't know if he saw that I just really wasn't content where I was at or what it was. But he said, why don't you go to Moberly, and meaning Central Christian College of the Bible in Moberly, Missouri. And that's all it took for me. Uh, so I ended up going uh, to Bible college. And really went still with the intention of, of farming. Uh, just like others, uh, going uh, to just learn more about the Bible. Uh, we need solid 
leadership in the church, elders and deacons, and, and so that was just sort of where my thought process was at that time. And as I got going in Bible college, I would, uh, would be on the list to go supply preach, which uh, they would, would and do with their students, and where churches need the pulpit filled, they'll send uh, students to go. And so I started preaching and uh, continued, uh, continued preaching uh, really up until 1999 in December when I, when I took first full-time church. So along the way in Bible college, I got married to my wife, Christy, and you uh, met at the college, which we met at the college, uh, for all intents and purposes. We actually were kind of aware of each other beforehand, which is a, a story that we don't need to get into uh, here, but, um, uh, but yes, for all intents and purposes, we met at college, and we married in, in 1996, and I was continuing weekend ministry, uh, continuing to help my dad and granddad on the farm, continuing to, to finish, uh, I finished my uh, degree at Central, and graduated from Central in 1998, and all that time I was uh, preaching on weekends and sort of a part-time thing, until uh, until a church called and asked if I would would uh, consider giving them my resume uh, to consider coming to uh, to be their preacher. And that was at the time Prairie Hill Christian Church in Prairie Hill, Missouri, uh, which is near Salisbury, Missouri. And so uh, I ended up and, and we moved there and, and I started preaching then and, and have uh, now served this where I'm at at Vandalia is my third church where I've served uh, since then. And have just continued in that role. Um, now, how long were you at that first church? Uh, we were at Prairie Hill for a little over four years, and then we went to uh, Clarence, uh, Clarence, Missouri, to the First Christian Church there. And we were there for a little over seven years, and uh, now we're at Vandalia, and we're going to be uh, in in March of next year, which would be 2022. Uh, we'll be finishing uh, our 11th year. We'll have been here at Vandalia 11 years. So been been at Vandalia for about 10 and a half years at the time of this recording. Now, I know Vandalia and Clarence because I've been to both of those places, mm-hmm. and they're really small, I guess, farming communities. Yep. That's what yep. you call them. So, yep. And the first one was the same, a, a small farming community? Yes, yep. All I've. So I grew up in rural Missouri and uh, have ministered in churches that are in rural Missouri. And uh, so it's, it's part of just who I am and feel very comfortable in a setting uh, like that and, and enjoy it. And you understand the people, and when they talk farm, uh, you understand a lot of what they're talking about, too. Yeah, I would just uh, emphasize, maybe understand a lot of what they're talking about. <laughs> I certainly don't pretend to, to understand it all. But, yes, I grew up on that. Although, you know what bailing wire is for? Right, okay. right, right. That, that's good enough, I think. <laughs> Although it, it sure amazes me, agriculture has changed so much with uh, the uh, just the uh, technology that is in equipment now is just just amazing. And you never think of a farmer as being somebody who's not very bright. You you have to be actually very very bright to do a good job farming. Well, having known you as long as I have, and and know. Your credentials, I could say you, you would have made a very fine farmer, but in that sense, but you're a fine farmer in the Lord's field, too. <laughs> well, we do our best to, to be faithful. Well, tell about that first ministry a little bit. How old were you when you took that first ministry? Um, would have been, I, we would have been, Christian and my wife Christian and I are both the same age, so... Um, we would have been around 24 years old, I guess, when we started. Somewhere close to that. Um, and it was a great place to be. Uh, it was, uh, the people were very kind to us. Just uh, a good place, good place where I continued, I guess, to learn the skills of preaching and what, what a preaching minister does and uh, just just a, a great, great congregation, and and a very enjoyable time in our lives. Yeah. So from there, you were at Clarence, and uh, and then came here, and, and both. Um, this is a, this is interesting. Can you tell us any history about the Vandalia Church, or do you know much history about the Vandalia Church? I mean, uh, 
I, I, I caught you cold on that, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, no, no, that's all right. Um, the church here, and I uh, can't remember if it was just a year, a, a couple of years or three years ago, roughly in that area, uh, celebrated its 140th uh Really? Anniversary. So the church is, I guess, working on 145 years old. And uh, it's it's rather interesting, uh, a little bit, a little bit of their history. Um, As I understand it, back in the, I guess it would have been the 50s, uh, the church would have actually been considered a disciples church and it had, it had declined significantly. And there was a group of, I guess, elders here who said, we're going to go get somebody who's going to preach the Bible. And they did. And his, the, the man's name was John Hall. He was, he was never, a guy never married. And he came and just did a tremendous ministry. And people, the, the oldest people here, still remember John Hall and, and uh, remember him well uh, for what he did. So he was a Bible preacher and... The church, um, the church has continued uh, to expect uh, good Bible preaching and teaching, uh, and and has been very solid that way. I've, I'm very appreciative and very thankful of the church here. Uh, after I'd been here a few years, and I suppose it didn't take me long to to, to realize this, but I just uh, observed this church expects its preacher to. They expect they expect good quality uh, Bible preaching and teaching as well. They should uh, any mm-hmm. church should expect that out of their preacher and well Sunday school teachers and elsewhere for that matter. But um, so I I've uh, I've had to work hard <laughs> <laughs> to do the best that I can uh, in that regard. Um, but um, uh, just a a good church, a solid history uh, of of kingdom kind of work. Now you've done some uh, teaching as well, some Bible college teaching. Yeah, I have. Um, I've I've uh, served uh, for about twenty years in uh, Bible college teaching um, in various ways. I've uh, began by by just uh, an adjunct professor uh, uh, type of, of position. Uh, mm-hmm. teaching some classes on campus. So I've always lived close enough where I could drive and, and uh, teach classes in New Testament, in the, in the area of New Testament. And as time moved on, and circumstances changed, I guess, a little bit for me at the time, um, uh, the online education side of things was really opening up. And so I began teaching classes online, and uh, then became very involved uh, uh, with the with the online program until rather recently I've I've uh, backed off a lot of from what I uh, was doing, but um, have have taught um, a number of classes on uh, in person and and online uh, both. Well, I we got a lot of things I think we're going to talk about today, but I before we get into things where we might veer off the. Of course, let me ask you, some of the greatest blessings that you've had in ministry in, in your years of preaching and, and ministry to the church? Oh, that's a good question. Too many um, of them, huh? <laughs> yeah, um, you, you know, overall, looking at the last 20 plus years where we've been, what I would say, a full-time Christian ministry, um, or preaching ministry, um, you know, there's there's always rough spots you're going to have. It's you know, there's there there have been difficulties, but uh, those are far exceeded by the blessing of just being able to uh, to serve as a preacher in a local church. And um, God's people have been good to us, and so we're we're appreciative. I guess we talk talk about blessings. Appreciative of of the friendships that we've developed. And um, certainly appreciative of just the the privilege of being able to preach God's word week in and week out, and teach God's word week in and week out. Um, it's uh, I guess that would be a couple of the greatest blessings, just the, the privilege of being able to serve in this way, and also just the friendships and 
blessing of God's people. You know, one of the things that struck me about you is that you uh, are very respectful of your congregation, and and uh, and as we should be, as all Christians should be. But the the number of times you've said to me, "These are these are good, solid Christian folk here, just some good people." Yeah. And and it tells me that you have a love and respect for them that uh, you don't always find. And, you know, people are feel like they're battling and struggling and all, and, and I appreciate that. I, yeah. That says a lot about not only the congregation here, but about you as a minister, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I guess I, I think it's important to remember these are God's people, and none of us are perfect. There's always going to be flaws that each of us have, but... They're God's people that he loves very much, and that should be reflected in our, uh, or my attitude uh, towards them. And uh, and I've observed over the years, too, I guess, that uh, people are a lot, I guess I don't have how else to say this, people are a lot more, more intelligent than what you give them credit, or what yeah. they're sometimes given credit for being. So uh, when I came to Vandalia, and this is part of realizing that this church just expects, rightly expects, good quality preaching and teaching, or at least the best that I can offer them. Um, you know, I just, I didn't back away, especially in our Sunday night program, which which has become more of a Bible study than another preaching service. And, and I've always, it's been more of a teaching time for me, but I would... Uh, dig into subjects a lot deeper and talk occasionally about Greek and Hebrew words and things like that that sometimes you know sometimes uh, people think well you can't do that they aren't going to get that kind of stuff but uh, I don't think so I think uh, at least here they're they're solid people they're you know, they're just people trying to follow the Lord like everybody else and and so I guess that's uh, that's the best approach I I know how to take anyway. Well, through the years, the times that I've had to sit in Bible class uh, before church, or uh, this year it was after church, uh, you've had good teachers. I've, I've enjoyed all of your teachers. This year was particularly excellent. Yeah. Um, I, uh, would you care to share the, your, uh, the name of this man from your church that taught class? Yeah, yeah uh, Philip Gore. I, I didn't think he'd mind. No. But he did a fantastic job. Um, talk about the state of those who have never heard the gospel. Yeah. Who die haven't never heard the gospel. And we won't get into that theology right now. <laughs> that could take a long time. But I've never heard anybody do that as well as he did. Yeah. And uh, I was thrilled to sit in that class. And, and I have to admit to you, uh, as a traveling evangelist, I'm not always thrilled to sit in some of the classes I sit in. Uh, you can tell they grabbed a, a standard lesson book and, and they're reading along with us for the first time. You know, and, and they're saying, now, what do you think about that? And what do you think about this? Uh, he came in well prepared, as every teach, every adult teacher I've ever sat under here has done. And uh, that says a lot about the elders here, and it says a lot about the preacher here. Uh, and I, I always have looked forward to class, but this year particularly, I saw what the title of the class was, and I thought, oh, boy. What are we going to get? It's been a couple of years I've been here, and I've almost forgotten how good the classes were. I thought, oh, boy. What are we going to get this time? And it was absolutely excellent. Yeah, Philip and, uh, does a good. Philip's a good, good teacher. Philip's a good preacher. Yeah, and and uh, well, I can tell you, he'd be a good preacher just by the way he taught. But uh, I commend uh, not only him but you and your church, your your elders here, for having people like that teaching, and they need to be. Um, well, if you care to share, you may not. <laughs> some preachers don't want to, and some do more than what you think they would. But <laughs> uh, greatest challenge or difficulty that uh, you might that you feel like you could share uh, that other ministers might learn from um, anything. Um, you know, for me, and I realize this is this is something that um, it depends on your personality, and so strengths for one person or weaknesses for another, and weaknesses to one person, other people, there are other people's strengths. So, I'm I've often um, been too easy to try to to be the kind of guy that wants everybody to get along. Mm -hmm. 
And and I think there's some good in that, um, that we, you know, well, the Lord teaches us to be unified as a church, and I think you have to have some some voices, hopefully, that are that are saying, you know, we need to get along here, and uh, and so forth. But there are times when when you've got to really be willing to to take a stand, and that's that's sometimes harder for me because I'd rather us all just figure out a way to get along. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I think um, uh, the challenge, I guess, over the years is knowing when to take a stand about something, when to speak up, and whether that's a theological thing or whether that's dealing with a difficult personality or a difficult situation, whatever it is. And I think some of that's wisdom. Um, you know, whether we talk about wisdom from Proverbs or uh Wisdom from the book of James, where he talks about wisdom from above. Uh, sometimes it's it's just a, a thing that we learn of knowing, you know, when uh, when you're sort of teachable and kind of get along, and, and when you draw a line in the sand and say, uh, no, this we have to make a stand here. Um, so I guess I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, Tom, yeah. in answer to the question no, there, but. Just uh, probably fighting against my temperament a little bit to uh, to not want to just get along, but to to know when to take a stand in whatever it might cost, and and that can be a little tough as a preacher sometimes because you're you know you're 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 uh, you're making a living uh, right by by preaching, and you you know you're. I guess in the back of your mind, you're concerned. Oh, people get upset. You know, what's that? How's it going to affect my affect my making a living and and being able to stay at a church, even you know that sort of thing. And so, uh, I guess if I look back and think of the challenges over the years, that's probably an area that me that I personally could um, uh, could Im- have improved on at times. And and maybe there are other people that are sort of like that. And Maybe there are people listening to this and thinking, well, I don't have any problems speaking up when I need to speak up. And so that's why I say it all, it kind of depends on your temperament and personality a little bit. Well, Peter spoke up and never had any problem with that, but it caused him a lot of trouble. (laughs) So I I, I think having the wisdom to know when to speak up, um, that's, I've always had a problem with that. And, and I, it has caused me problems and I've always teased and, and had fun saying that. Uh, there's a difference between a pastoral minister, and we both agree that the pastor is, a, is an elder and not the preacher, but there are pastoral ministers, that guys who just have that temperament who are able to help mm-hmm. a congregation to get along and, and move along. But the difference between that type of preacher, who I very much admire because I'm not that type of preacher, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy who would call himself an evangelist like me, is that he would work with that and say, now let's see, let's look at this side and let's look at that side. And really work at that and have that ability, which I very much admire. Where, as opposed to someone like me who says, "This is heaven, this is hell, pick one." I'm yeah. moving on, yeah. and it gets me in trouble. But I, I think about uh, years ago, we we moved to Oklahoma and we're ministering the Tulsa area, and had a, a wonderful deacon and his wife. Later, he became an elder, and she was just the best Sunday school teacher, uh, children's Sunday school teacher we had. Just wonderful very conservative people in, in, in so many ways. And uh, when we first got there, it was it was the 80s, it was the late 80s, and their teenage son walked in and his hair was colored and it was a mohawk. And I mean shaved both sides <laughs> of with a real mohawk hair. And I was kind of shocked because I, you know, I've been a preacher long enough not to show my shock. Uh-huh. I just let it go. And at some point, uh, Beth and I, when we were speaking with, with uh the deacon and his wife, and she said, pick your battles. Yeah. He's a good kid, and if this is his way of rebelling, let him rebel. And he went to work for the Department of uh, Firearms and Tobacco and Alcohol on the the border, I Uh think. He was a very, very fine man, uh, for all I know, uh, that this is what he did, but that was his little bit of rebellion, and and uh, it wasn't ungodly. It was just a different way of of, of appearing to people. Uh-huh. And sometimes we need to say, you know, this is not, their opinion is not ungodly. It's just 
not like Tom's opinion or not yeah. like Jamie's opinion. Right. So let's back off and see. Maybe God is leading us somewhere. We're not always right. Uh-huh. And and uh, I never have been. So why would I think I am today without giving it some prayer? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, well uh, we've talked about that. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the uh, greatest challenge or hurdles uh, ahead of us today and it's kind of a three part question so you can answer one, two or all three parts uh, the greatest challenges ahead for the church individual Christians and or the ministry or ministers hmm. going forth from today what do you see as the greatest challenges we might have uh, probably at this moment in time anyway for the for the church is is training up future preachers for the church that are going to be faithful to God's word and and uh, uh, it seems to me that uh, it, the institutions that that are supposed to be training our our preachers are fewer and far between that um, uh, of, of what they're doing from a conservative approach at least. Um, and uh, I, I don't know the statistics, but I, I understand there's a preacher shortage, or at least that's often spoken yes, of. And, and then I guess I would add to that not only just a preacher shortage, but, but I guess if I could qualify that, a, a faithful preacher shortage. In, mm-hmm. in other words, you know, people are going to preach God's word. And, and I say that, and, and I guess I should qualify it, my... My preferred method, and I believe it should be the preferred method of preaching in the church, uh, is expository preaching, mm-hmm. preferably through books of the Bible. And uh, I realize there's place for topical preaching and, and so on and so forth. But um, but in the in the in the life of the church, as you know, just sort of the big picture point of view, that the church always needs a diet of just preaching through God's word and and. I don't know how much that's done or not done, but I, I fear that, that we don't have solid uh, preaching enough, perhaps, and, and training, training guys who are going to, to do that in the pulpit. So I guess that's, one, that's, a, that's a big concern that I have for the future of the Brotherhood um, and, and where they're going to get good preacher training and preacher education like I say, in, in my view, it's, it becomes fewer and far between in places that that uh, that a young man can go if he wants to learn how to preach God's Word. Uh, we don't have... When I became a, a preacher, I think there were something over 40 Bible colleges among the independent Christian churches, Church of Christ, in, in the U.S. That's just in the U.S., not including on foreign soil. And we have... Far fewer than that now. Right, right. And of those, many of them are not training preachers anymore. They've become universities that uh, have become so diverse in what they teach. Just like um, Harvard mm-hmm. was was built to train preachers. And when it was decided that they were not doing the job well enough, that they had veered from that course, then Yale came along to do it. And we see where both of them are now. Right, right. And uh, we see what's happened to Pepperdine. Uh, Church Christ School out on the West Coast, and so many of them that that at one time were, were solid Bible. And I'm I'm mentioning these, which are not among the Christian churches, but but they're still uh, we see that that's happened even among the church. The many of the colleges that we have left in, in a Christian church, uh, preachers have, have, have are no longer the priority. And that may have caused a lot of the preacher shortage as well. That that could be. I, I don't know where. I don't know that that I could name all the reasons for why there's a preacher shortage, um, uh, or not. But um, I know that today. I guess I'll put it in a positive light. What we need is is a passion for preaching mm-hmm. and an urgency of preaching, uh, an urgency of the gospel. I guess if I could put it that way too, and. And uh, and sometimes I think we lose that passion for that urgency. You know, we're not, we're, we need to remember we're, 
we're in a spiritual battle and it's an urgent task that we that we proclaim God's word and we don't know how long the Lord is going to tarry and he's called us to reach people for Christ he's called us to faithfully preach God's word to help God's people remain faithful to him and and so uh, uh, I guess I feel like we've lost some of the passion uh, the urgency of of preaching and maybe that spills into another part another part of your question there uh, having to do with uh, was it the greatest challenges for preachers or ministers right um uh, probably, I don't know how much of a challenge this is, but I guess this is just an observation or an encouragement that I would have is is to just faithfully preach God's Word. Um, sometimes it seems easy that we can fall into sort of the latest trends and and whatever, and, and I realize that... Um, you know, that, 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 the, that, that there are times when we can rightly say the message of the gospel never changes, but our methodology can change. And there's, right. there's definitely something to that. Um, but in the midst of all that, we can't lose sight of the fact that we just need to faithfully proclaim God's word and, and to uh, see that as being the, the most important thing that a preacher does is, is preaching in the pulpit and teaching week in and week out. Um, and sometimes it's easy just to get sidetracked off that. So I guess, I don't know if that's the biggest challenge ministers face today or preachers face today, but it's one that I think of that's important to, to be reminded of. Do you, do you think, when you look back, when we look back 200 years on the history of the restoration movement in this country, one of the reasons that it was so fast-growing on the frontier was because people were stunned to hear men standing up and proclaiming the Bible. Yeah. I mean, just the Bible. Right. No doctrine or sect, just the Bible. Right. Uh, it wasn't programs. It wasn't the singing. Um, although we all love Christian singing. Right. And, and, but it wasn't that. It was the Bible. It, 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 wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything else that attracted people. Uh, they met under trees. They met in groves. Uh, they didn't have to have a building. They right. just were there. They'd come by the thousands sometimes. To uh, and uh, think of uh, Rush Run, and uh, I mean, and what was it? Eight it was eighteen oh four, eighteen oh two, somewhere around that time. Um, that they came by the thousands and would stay for weeks, just just to hear the Bible preached. And uh, I don't know if it was all expository, but I do agree with you. Uh, for years, for my first. 10, 11 years of ministry, and I've been doing this for four and a half decades now, uh, I was mostly topical. Mm-hmm. But I realized, and a lot of my work was, was with new church work, and in and, and that case, it's, it's good because you're trying to hit a certain area and sure, reach right. a certain, um, certain group of people when you're, when you're preaching, and maybe they're not ready for the deeper or whatever. But uh, I came to an understanding when I moved to Tulsa in the late 80s that topical preaching was not going to cut it that uh, it was good and it had its place and from time to time it could but I needed to, to find a book and preach through it and uh, you have a very good point there when you preach topical um, week after week you end up coming back to the same subject an awful lot yeah you end up repeating yourself and you can get on a hobby horse and two if you've got disgruntled people they may say you preach that just because I'm doing that and right. you're just coming after me. Right. Whereas if you if, if you happen to talk about uh, about lying or cheating, and you're just preaching through a book of the Bible that deals right. with lying and cheating, well, you say, well, no, last week we were there, here, this week we're there, right. and God's Word does its work. Right, right. That, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and it, it forces the preacher to, if, to deal with, the whole word of God, <laughs> you know, you, you. I'm laughing because there's subjects sometimes you just don't want to deal with. Yeah, and I, and I there's subjects I don't wouldn't be my first subjects to preach on if I would just choose one. But when you preach through a book of the Bible, you you deal with it, whether it's on the sensitive subjects like divorce and remarriage and and those things that can be kind of a sensitive, difficult topic or um, or other topics and. and I, I think it's all. It's just important that we 
we keep the focus on God's word. Um, you mentioned too, uh, or you asked about what maybe what are the greatest challenges is for Christians. Yeah. Um, I I think today that at least one way to put it, the biggest challenge not only Christians face, but just in our uh, this would be preachers, this would be Bible colleges everywhere, is that we live in a culture that has increasingly said. And now we're just sort of living it out, I guess, in our culture that there is no absolute truth. And when you take away, uh, when you take away uh, the fact that there's absolute truth and take that out of the equation, then you take away the authority of God's word because God's word is, is absolute truth. It's absolutely true for, for all mm-hmm. people and undermines the authority of God's word. And it seems to me that we're, we live in a, a society today, and it's been building this way for a long time, really, but a society today where there's more pressure than ever to, to really cave to, the, cave to the mentality or the view that what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me, but... Uh, so it's that sort of thinking, but it's really an undermining of the absolute truth of God's word, and so that's that's tough for church people, you know, as we look at a society where uh, lying and deceit, for example, is is almost accepted today. Um, there was a time, for example, in politics, whenever we would expect our people to be truthful with us and. Uh, today, there's I, th- I think is just it's more accepted that there's just lying and deceit and uh, law and orders another another area that we we find in our world today where you know God's word teaches that there should be law and mm-hmm. order and and the job of human government is to provide justice, uh, which is to punish the guilty and to protect the innocent and and yet we live in a world today where there's just there's a bunch of chaos and. I think all that is is difficult for Christians today to remain faithful and to take a firm stand on God's word, and and it can be for preachers to take a firm stand on God's word because we're living in a world that just in, just is always on the attack against absolute truth, which is really it, it ends up in its attack upon God and God's word. Well, absolute. If if you believe in absolute truth and the word of God is the absolute truth. You're not always going to be happy with what it says to you. That's right. A lot of times you will be because yeah. you believe that that's the truth and you want to hear it and it'll give you joy to, to see it and know what it says. But you're not always going to be happy. And we've already talked about this this week, but happiness is what's all important. Yeah. And uh, at least it seems to be in this country, uh, it's got to make me happy. That And that takes us back to humanism that's been taught uh, for such a long time now in our schools. And and actually, and you may have even alluded to this in one of your messages, when if if happiness is your God, then if that's what you're really striving for, you'll be so unhappy at the end of it. Yeah. And, and because God hasn't made us to be that way. God has made us that our first priority is to glorify Him. And when we follow Him, then then we're, if we want to use the word happy, that's fine. I, I, I prefer the word joy. You know, when we when we're following God first, we we have joy no matter what the outward circumstances are in this world that we face. As nothing can take away that joy of Christ, which which is what matters most right. uh, for us in this fallen world. Oh, you mentioned about uh, I think something about preaching. I it jogged my my memory. Uh, an elder here at Vandalia has quoted somebody else, <laughs> and maybe you've heard this before that. That something to the effect that a preacher, uh, a sermon, should make you either sad, glad, or mad. And if you haven't done one of those three things, you haven't done your job. So <laughs> stop and think about that. A sermon, you know, God's word uh, can make us sad um, if we if we realize that we need to repent of something, and we turn back to God. That's the right action. It can make us glad. You think about the the passage is on the the hope uh, that we have and uh, glad in that respect, but it can also create a reaction that makes people mad. 
and it's it's not a resistance against the preacher. It shouldn't have anything to do with him. It's 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 being mad at God that God calls us to an account sometimes. And uh, unfortunately, some people just aren't happy about that. Earlier, you talked about training of preachers. I'd like to get back to that for a little bit. I think that's an important topic. Uh, what do you have any thoughts about what the local church can do to help? recruit and train preachers um well i think so i think maybe it starts with um just an attitude in the local church that being a preacher is a is a good thing to do and maybe our churches used to focus more on that at one time than they do now i don't know but i kind of it's sort of a perspective it's my perception a little bit. And so I think um, it's good for church leaders, elders, to have that attitude that um, if we have some young men who, who want to be preachers, we should encourage that and, and hold that up as a, as a, a high calling to do. So, so that's one thing. I guess it's sort of the pervasive, maybe pervasive uh, attitude or uh, environment, if you will, local church. And, um, you know, secondly, I think uh, one, one approach um, that can be taken in training preachers is, is let a guy follow the preacher and learn from him in the local church. If we talk about what can the local church do to help train up preachers, right. um, I think... Uh, the best, the best, some of the best education is is learning by experience and learning by following somebody. So, if it's it's sort of the apprenticeship model, um, if you will, you know, where right. you, if you're want to get in plumbing, you can you follow the plumber around. You're his apprentice or an electrician is the same way, and there are other careers that are like that. And and preaching, being a preacher can can be like that. Just uh, uh, apart from the academic side of things, uh, where we just need to learn the Bible and theology, but there's there's also just the practical of you know how do you make a hospital call? How do you um, mm-hmm. um, how do you prepare for a meeting and and those kinds of things that that really are just best learned by following somebody that um, following somebody that does those things reasonably well that you can can learn from. Even people skills, just knowing how to interact with people and how to do that well, you know, so much of that can be picked up by just following uh, somebody and, and watching somebody. So we think about what can the local church do uh, if there could be more of that, where sort of, um, I don't know whether you call those things a long internship or you call those an, an apprenticeship model. Um, if we want to train up guys who are going to be uh, well prepared, uh, that is a really good model. And then on top of that, we can't we can never lose sight of the fact that to be trained to be preaching uh, in preaching ministry, uh, you just you need to know God's word. So however however you can get that education, um, whether it's um, online education, which is a, a certainly a, a viable option for many people now, or or uh, or other other formats, whether it's face-to-face learning at at uh, at a college or whether it's face-to-face learning at, at your church, whatever it takes. But you have to get that education of God's word, and 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 the skills of preaching, and and so forth. But I think the local church could be uh, very certainly, very potentially, very much more involved in in seeing that goal happen. If that makes sense. To what you said earlier this year, I interviewed Evan Strickland, who is a, a young preacher in, in um, South Mississippi, and he started a Timothy Club, which there used to be a lot of those in churches, mm-hmm. and he's got some young men, I believe they're all junior high, but he, they're training them, They've, I think they're already giving communion meditations and the idea okay. to yeah. move them into preaching, and um, Greg and I um, have discussed for a while now Greg's taken a move on this for us and called me and said now let's block off this time and because we're so far scheduled out we 
we're looking at 2025 okay. for first date, but we're looking at a uh, hosting a preacher boy camp yeah. in Mississippi. Uh, I know there's a, a good one that's been active for a long time in Ohio that uh, right now we're looking at, Greg is looking at working out where we can take some boys from Mississippi where we both live and go to that one and learn from their model. How right. doing it. It's a very right. good camp and um, also maybe being able to scholarship those boys to go to that camp. Yeah, that one right, go and, right. And uh, right. Uh, you and I have discussed, and I'm sure you've discussed with Greg some, uh, the, the tragic loss of their grandson this year, uh, Atlas Uriah, and Evan, who I just mentioned, his, his son and Courtney's son, uh, who have both been on our podcast as well. And there is the Atlas Uriah Fund for scholarship, for mm. preachers only, for men who are going to be preachers. Uh, but that's got to be built up. It's going to take some years to build it up. Uh-huh. And Greg was talking about using some of the small amounts of that just to take these young ones that were beginning to work with Mississippi and get them into preacher camps. Yeah. And and over the years, then maybe by the time that fund builds up, we'll have some funding there. I say we. They will have some funding because I'm not really involved in that other than uh, very much encouraging it and backing it, too, uh, that there would be some funds through that scholarship to get these young men into Bible college. But I think the idea of a Timothy Club um, uh, uh, express camp, mm-hmm. among our camps, that, I mean, we used to call them Christian service camps because right. we were, right. uh, it wasn't really training them, but in a way it was. And it was right. it was moving right. them to make that decision and, our, uh, and not be critical. Or we still have some wonderful church camps, but you, you rarely see that push for full-time Christian service. And to be a missionary, to be a preacher, and maybe we need to seek out those who might uh, have a spirit of openness to what God would lead them to do, and 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 do some camps with them in hmm. various areas of the country, um, and and I do think too, brother Jamie, that a lot of times we as preachers fail in that we don't put our hand on the shoulder of a young man and say. Do you ever think about being a preacher? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one of the men I interviewed uh, was going to be an architect. And in one of the earlier interviews I did here back in 2020, he intended to be an architect. And uh, a man said to him, you know, there are plenty of architects in this world. Mm-hmm. God needs more preachers. And, and, and something along that line and just turned his life around. Okay. He uh-huh. never thought about that. I recently talked to a young man who was going to be a truck driver and, and he's, he's been a diesel mechanic and he loves that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, certainly the world needs more Christian truck drivers. I, I totally agree with that because he's a fine Christian young man. But as have you ever considered that there are a lot of truck drivers, but not near enough preachers. And you could be, you could, you could be a truck driver and a preacher or you could work on diesel engines and be a preacher. Uh-huh. You know, we need a lot of tent-making preachers, too. Yeah, sure. But I think sure. we just need to uh, open up our minds, don't you? Uh, and, and open up our eyes to see these young men that are in front of us yeah. that we sure. have not been encouraging. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to all that. And, and I, again, my perception is that uh, a few decades ago, uh, churches probably did a better job of that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, than than maybe today, and I don't know what all the reasons are the why they don't, but that's just my perception, and maybe that's a perception in my small corner of the world as well, um, that we could we could stand to to uh, return to some of that um, encouragement to young men. Yeah. Well, any more thoughts today? Uh, just open it up to you for anything else you might want to say. Um, no, I don't think any anything else that I would have to add. I, again, appreciate uh, the opportunity to share with you and appreciate your all's ministry and uh, hope that you, you keep at it. Well, Lord willing, we're going to, and uh, with men like you and churches like yours that encourage us, and they really do, uh, very encouraging. I told you that, I've said that so many times, that I, I, I love ending my revival year at Vandalia. And um, because it, it's so encouraging, the people are always very encouraging. You're always well prepared. You have you you promoted. You prayed. 
you, you've got someone to do a children's revival, which brings in the young families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're having a meal every evening, uh, which keeps people uh, coming in knowing they got a meal yeah. after the service. And, and because services here start earlier than, than some do, that makes it a little bit easier Yeah, for to come right off from work. Yeah, I would add about that. And this is, I guess, just you, you bring it up and we'll belabor the point too much. But, you know, in, in years past, we, and I guess to preface this, our sort of the tradition here at Vandalia with revivals has been to have uh, meals following the service. And at one point, sort of an older term, they would call those afterglows, but mm-hmm. it's a, a time when, you know, usually Sunday school classes sort of provide the meal and sort of split that up from night to night. And as a general rule, but we we have had some, I guess, uh, oh, I don't know the best word to use, grumbling, uh, because because they they can be a lot of work, especially sure. for especially for some some of the ladies who do a lot of cooking, and you know maybe they're in, their husbands in one class and they're in another or whatever, yeah. and they end up and do a lot of work to make those meals happen, yeah. um, and yet we look back on that, and those are some of the those are some of the favorite times because it's, it's a time of fellowship that you're building together as a church that, that happens over a meal. And, yeah. uh, it, it's really significant. And now having, you know, I would, would point out it all starts with preaching. Um, everything follows that as right. far as the importance and what you're doing. But, uh, that fellowship meal is, is well worth it. And, um, I would certainly encourage other churches to consider that. Well, I, I appreciate it, and I do know it helps a lot. If you feed them, they will come, I guess. But, yeah. But that means spiritually as well. Yeah, and right. We want right. to feed them with the Word. But it has worked well here, and the people just uh, love to hang out and visit and fellowship. And Christy's out with her camera. Uh, yeah, she is. Your wife is great with a camera, getting getting all kinds of shots. And, and uh, I don't even take many pictures while I'm here because... I just take hers. Yeah. <laughs> and she does such a good job. But anyway, I want to thank you, Jamie, for taking time. I know you've had a busy week with us here. And it's always harder on the local preacher than it is on us because you've got all the, your regular work to do besides uh, getting ready for the evening services and us. And we appreciate you very much. And uh, I hope that uh, to our listeners that this has been a blessing to you. And if it has, I also hope that you will share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.